Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome back to Get Your Goat. Josh here. There's a lot to get into today. Week 12, NFL, and because of it, Thanksgiving weekend, we get three Thursday games. Truly a blessed time to be a football fan. So I'm going to cover all those matchups going on this weekend. Then I'm going to give you my top five teams in the NHL right now. What's going wrong with the Lakers? They suffer another setback after I predicted a win. Then I'm going to react to the college football playoff rankings that were released yesterday. The fourth edition and what I believe the committee got right and what I believe the committee got oh so wrong. Then I'm going to make some college football picks. Rivalry week, last week of the college football season. I'm going to lay it all out on the line, especially for Michigan. Just go blue. Just want to say that now before I start off. So let's get right into it. Week 12 matchups, NFL starting tomorrow. The first one on at 12.30 Eastern. The Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions. Yesterday, I raved about Dan Campbell and the job that he has done with the really no talent on that roster uh, compared to Matt Nagy, who has a more talented roster, but he is just such a bad coach. Even the fans are chanting, fire Nagy, and I couldn't agree with those fans anymore. I totally agree with it. But guess what? That doesn't change the records. Chicago's going into this game at 3-7. and seven. Detroit is going in without a win at 0-9-1. Can the Lions win this game? Can they do it? I believe they have a shot. I believe they have a real shot. They've been competitive in so many games. Jared Goff is back. I saw Tim Boyle play on Sunday. That was atrocious. I really don't want to see him in the lineup again. So I know Jared Goff's not the greatest quarterback out there, but he's an upgrade over Tim Boyle. The Chicago Bears, Justin Fields out with the rib injury. It is going to be Andy Dalton starting, and he didn't look great either on Sunday filling in for Andy and or filling in for Justin in relief against the Ravens. So you have a team really trending down in the Lions. All right, in the Bears, and you have a team that's just been at the bottom the whole season. In the Lions, can this be the Lions' first win? I'm giving them a real shot. I definitely think they have a shot to win. It's just you never know with these Thanksgiving matchups. Detroit has been so porous on Thanksgiving. You know, People have called for them uh, to be removed. I say no because they started the Thanksgiving tradition. Uh, you can't cut off the OG like that. Uh, but Chicago... This is another team. I think the edge factor is Andy Dalton. Is he going to come in and play like he did against the Ravens or earlier in the season against the Rams or where he wasn't good and the Lions can win this game? Or is this going to be some kind of weird vintage Thursday Thanksgiving performance by Andy Dalton that no one expected him a Bears and may decide to run the Lions out of a building. I don't think so. I think I'm rolling with the Lions tomorrow. I'm going to pick them. I picked them earlier against the Steelers. I really don't think that zero is going to stay with their loss column forever. I look at their schedule, and to me, 
this is the last winnable game that they have because they play the Vikings. Vikings are ascending. They play at Denver. That's a tough place to play. I don't see Detroit going on the road and beating them, even though Denver's slipping as of late. They play the Cardinals. I know the Cardinals have a tough time with the Lions in the past. That was a different Lions team. Then they play the Falcons at Atlanta. It's tough to go away. Then they play at Seattle and end up at Green Bay. To me, this is their last realistic shot. I believe it's going to be a big day for DeAndre Swift. He has been the back as of late. He's been fantastic as well. I believe they run it well with him uh, on this Chicago Bears defense that hasn't been good. Lost Khalil Mack for the season. I believe the Lions get the dub tomorrow. Then you got Las Vegas and Dallas. Before the season, I said Dallas is going to lose three games they have no business losing. They've already got one. That was the Broncos. They still got two more. I'm picking Dallas to win this game because they have no business losing this game. The Raiders have just lost three in a row. They are spiraling. They don't look good. However, Dallas is not the greatest Thanksgiving team as well. have put on quite a few uh, poor performances in the past. So Las Vegas could steal this one. I'm rolling with Dallas, but this one makes me nervous because this is a Dallas uh, game that they have no business losing. They've just lost two out of their last three. They lose this one. Not only does it, uh, it definitely hurts their chances in getting the number one seed, but it somehow also tightens up the uh, divisional race as well uh, because you got Washington and Philly lurking right there. But I'm rolling with Dallas in this game. I really think they can get the win behind Zeke and Dak Prescott. Bills and Saints, I'm picking the Bills. Do I think they're a great team? No. Uh, A few days ago, I said maybe Josh Allen last year was his peak year. Maybe that was it. Could I be right? Yes. Could I be absolutely wrong? Of course. But I think Buffalo is going to get back on track just because the amount of injuries New Orleans has. Who knows if Kamara will be back uh, if Marshawn Lattimore will play after being arrested uh, for some felony that he just committed. And then you've got your tight end out four to six weeks. You're already down your quarterback, down a couple offensive linemen and Ramscheck and Armstead. So this team is just injury decimated. I believe Buffalo will get the win, even though I have serious concerns about their rush defense if Kamara was in. That would be a huge problem for Buffalo. And then also their lack of a rush attack. Uh, relying too much on Josh Allen to make plays with his legs. Not having any resemblance of a running game at all with Devin Singletary or anyone back there. But with that, I believe Josh Allen uh, cruises to a win. They get to 7-4 and four, and they set up uh, that pivotal Monday night game against the Patriots for the division. Now moving on to Sunday. Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. Rematch of an earlier game uh, where the Bengals won 24-10. to 
Jamar Chase had two touchdowns. Joe Burrow was effective, and the defense uh, stopped Pittsburgh. Can they do it again? Yes, I believe so. This time it's in Cincinnati. Cincinnati rebounded from two tough losses in a resounding win against the Raiders. Uh, Pittsburgh still out. T.J. Watt, even though their offense performed better than expected against the Chargers, they sort of woke up there in the fourth quarter because special teams made some plays. Najee Harris has been fantastic, but I do think it's too much for the defense to overcome as a whole uh, with uh, T.J. Watt being out. Uh, we'll see if Minka Fitzpatrick gets cleared from uh, protocol, if Joe Hayden is back. Uh, so a lot of question marks on this defense there. I believe Cincinnati gets the win. Big days, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, they're in your fantasy lineup. Definitely start them. I know Jamar Chase ain't going nowhere for me. I think the Bengals are relishing this matchup. No, if they can just keep pace with the Ravens, not only do they own a tie break, but they play them one more time in Cincinnati, which could be for the division as well. Tampa Bay and Indianapolis. This is a premier game. Uh, last night or yesterday, the NFL flexed a Sunday night game, removed the Seahawks because they're so bad at 3-7, and seven, and moved another one in, uh, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. I thought they should have done it tonight uh, or this Sunday because of the Cleveland-Baltimore Sunday night game. I'll go more into that later. But to me, these are two great teams. This is a fantastic matchup here. A really hot team that is ascending in the Colts, uh, who have won three in a row. Uh, blew the breaks off the Buffalo Bills this past Sunday, 41-15. to Jonathan Taylor... Entering the MVP conversation, and I agree. I'm not going to say he's better than Derrick Henry. If Derrick Henry was still playing right now, he didn't get injured, we'd still be talking about Derrick Henry as the best back. But since he's not active, I have to say Jonathan Taylor is the best active running back right now in the NFL that's not on injured reserve. He's got the most total touchdowns by a non-quarterback, most rushing yards. He is carrying this team on his back. Carson Wentz is helping out because he's not turning the football over in those wins like he has done in those losses. That is big for his team. The defense is also starting to gel together, which I thought was one of the best units last year. Got banged and roughed up early, but I think they're getting it. Frank Reich, the coach, is doing tremendous uh, work there. But they face the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers. And... I believe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the best roster, are the best team in the NFL, regardless of their record. Uh, it's 7-3. and three. I do believe when it's all said and done that they will have the number one seed. Why? Tom Brady's the MVP. Uh, he's playing like the MVP so far. Like I said, over 3,000 yards, almost at 3,200 yards, 29 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. He's been fantastic incorporating more Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones in the run game to open up play action, and Chris Godwin as well. The concern is the defense. This run-stop defense isn't as good as last year, so that's the X factor. Jonathan Taylor against the Bucks defense. 
I believe Tampa Bay can move the ball up and down uh, the Colts' defense. It's just this war of attrition down there in the trenches. Can the Bucks' defense stop Jonathan Taylor? That is the key to the game. That is the key to winning. In Indianapolis, it's the flip side. It's, I'm going to run Jonathan Taylor down the Bucks' defense throat, and they're not going to be able to stop me. So that's the mentality. Uh, Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator for the Bucks. Uh, Bruce Arians has to know that is a game plan for the Colts. So you have to stop that game plan and not let Jonathan Taylor wreck the game plan, wreck your day, uh, and you're going to have to force Carson Wentz to beat you. And that's very doable with the soft bucks secondary. They got Sean Murphy bunting back, which is big. We'll see if Carlton Davis returns this week, but he'll show signs of rust just like Sean Murphy bunting did. So this, to me, this is easily the game of the week. I know it's AFC-NFC, and there's another game I'm going to talk about, which I'm high on. But to me, this is a game I'm really excited for. But I think the Bucks will come out on top. They've been here before. They've done it before. Of course, it's a road game. We're talking about the Bucks last year, so good on the road. Didn't matter where they played. This year it seems a little different. Seems like they kind of like playing at Raymond James Stadium and being there. But this should be a fantastic game. Carolina in Miami. I lost a lot of faith in Carolina this past weekend uh, after they blew the game to the football team, a game they could have won, but they didn't. Cam Newton not playing well in the final stretch of that game. And because of that, I have to wonder, can Miami pull off the upset? They've won three in a row. Two was looking better. This defense is looking better. This team is reminding me of why I picked them to make the playoffs last year because it's reminiscent of a team that missed out by one game last year. To me, this game is dead even. It's going to come down to quarterback play. Simple as that. It's going to come down to which quarterback is going to make more plays. Is it going to be Tua or is it going to be Cam? It's down there in Miami. I think Tua can do it. I really do think Miami can pull off the upset and beat Carolina. It's going to be close, you know, but if Carolina can't get going with Christian McCaffrey and they have to rely on Cam to make plays, that is the difference in this game. We need to get up early, have a heavy load for Christian McCaffrey, for this team to beat Miami on Sunday. In Tennessee and New England. Kind of a battle for, you know, first place. This is a game with huge playoff implications uh, and, you know, tie-breaking rights, bracking rights. Uh, it wouldn't have been that way if the Titans took care of business against the Texans last week, but five turnovers. Now they're on the road facing a red-hot New England Patriots team who just are coming off their mini-buy in a shutout performance of the Atlanta Falcons. Mac Jones has been uh, terrific in his rookie year. Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson have been good. Kendrick Bourne, Tennessee Titans are still going to be without Julio Jones this game. No Derrick Henry. Because of that, I think the New England Patriots are going to win this game. Uh, and this will definitely hurt the Titans' chances of getting that one seed because it will then drop them behind the Ravens and then the Patriots 
in the uh, standings. So in one week, they can go from number one to number three. Number three. That's not a spot they want. I believe they want that first round by to give Derrick Henry that extra time back and get him back for the divisional round. This is a huge game for them. Of course, if they took care of business against the Texans, it wouldn't happen. This wouldn't be happening. Wouldn't be having this conversation. This game would be important. It would be big, but it wouldn't be as big as it is right now. But they did not take care of business. It's sort of like in Iron Man, the first Iron Man, where Obadiah Stane, the villain, uh, goes to uh, the bad guy's lair in Afghanistan or whatever it is, uh, and you know he wants uh, money for recovering Iron Man's first suit. And when Iron Man left uh, the cave there, uh, blew up the villain's uh, face, and he says, Obadiah Stane, you know, if you killed him when you were supposed to, you'd still have, you know, your face. So if the Titans, you know, took the Texans where they were supposed to, they still would have had, you know, the best shot. So because of that, Patriots are winning that game. Philadelphia Eagles, New York Giants. I'm rolling with the Eagles. I just saw the New York Giants perform against the Bucks. It was poor. Daniel Jones, I'm sorry. Jalen Hurts is a QB1. Daniel Jones is not a QB1. Jalen Hurts can make big plays everywhere. Daniel Jones makes big plays for the other team everywhere. Always throwing interceptions, it seems like. Always turning the ball over. Jalen Hurts has a good friend and wide receiver. Uh, to connect with, and Devontae Smith, Daniel Jones has defensive people he throws to. So these two teams are not on the same level. Uh, Philly, I believe, will handle the Giants with ease this weekend. Atlanta and Jacksonville. Atlanta, after their a great comeback win against the Saints, have been underperforming, to say the least. That's probably an understatement. Uh, because they've only scored three points in their past two games. And I think they've been outscored like 68-3 to three in the past two games. So that's pretty bad. They're underwhelming. Jacksonville, 2-8, and eight, but they've kind of been competitive as of recently. Uh, they, beat the, uh, they held on against the Colts. They beat the Bills. Can they do it here in Jacksonville? I'm giving Jacksonville a true shot. Uh, to be Atlanta here because Atlanta looks so dysfunctional and no Calvin Ridley, uh, Cordero Patterson banged up, his team banged up, no really weapons on the outside for Matt Ryan to throw to, Matt Ryan not looking good as well. To me, it's hard to give Atlanta a shot in this game. Uh, I really do think Jacksonville can win this game. So again, this is kind of a coin toss pick them, but I'm going to have to roll with Jacksonville. They've shown it. Trevor Lawrence, to me, has proven, even though he's not a huge touchdown thrower this year, James Robinson's just a little healthy. They have some form of a rushing attack. The defense shows up. I definitely think they can beat the Falcons on Sunday. The Jets in Houston. Oof, here we go. Two 2-8 two teams. 
Houston coming off a big win versus the Titans, uh, where they forced five turnovers. The Jets are coming off a loss to the Dolphins by a touchdown, criticism by former coach Rex Ryan, who should just leave his team alone because he's not the coach there. Zach Wilson coming back. It just seems like the quarterback carousel's already happened here. Zach Wilson to Mike White to Joe Flacco. Now Zach Wilson back in the lineup. Can he do something? I believe he can. This is going to be an ugly game. Uh, last week's Texans-Titans game was an ugly game. I expect this game to be ugly. Zach Wilson, nine interception man. I believe if he was has started every game and he didn't get injured, he'd probably have the most interceptions in the league right now. I think the Jets can get the win here and beat the Texans. But again, these are two very poor, poor teams. This is not the exciting flavored matchup as well. This is one where you're either a Texans fan, if there are any in the world, or a Jets fan watching this game. The Los Angeles Chargers and the Denver Broncos. The Chargers got back on track after setting, suffering a minor setback to the Vikings. They pulled off that big win against the Steelers, 41-10-27. Now they face the Broncos. Now the Broncos, they dominated the Cowboys. And then they just got dominated by the Eagles. Who prevails here? I think it's the Chargers. They're the more talented team. Joey Bosa can get to Teddy Bridgewater, make him feel uncomfortable. Justin Herbert, I believe, can tear this defense up similar to how Jalen Hurts did it last week. The Los Angeles Chargers can make big plays in the receiving game. They got Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Austin Eckler balled out like crazy against the Steelers for four total touchdowns. You've got to believe he'll be a factor. So there's just too many pieces there on offense for Denver to stop and overcome. And then on the other side of the ball, who do you have other than Cortland Sutton that has really stepped up so far? Uh, Teddy Bridgewater as well, Melvin Gordon. Those are just guys I do not trust in a game like this. L.A., also has a bigger focus on their goals, and that is winning the AFC West, something I don't believe the Broncos are capable of. To me, it's Chargers-Chiefs, a two-man race right there. Now another marquee game of the week. That is the Los Angeles Rams coming off a bye week after back-to-back losses going up against the Green Bay Packers. 7-3 7-3 Rams, 8-3 Packers. This is a huge game Sunday. Now, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers suffering a toe injury. It's bothered him. And if it is turf toe, it's a problem because if it's bad, he'll need surgery. Uh, Patrick Mahomes limited last year in a playoff run due to turf toe. Uh, people's careers kind of ruined due, uh, due to that injury or out multiple seasons. So if it is that severe, it's a big injury for Aaron Rodgers because it's going to affect him the rest of the way, especially here in Lambeau. As it gets colder as well, it's only going to get worse. I think the bye week will help out, but now this week he'll have to run a lot because his left tackle, uh, Bakhtiari, ain't coming back this week. The fill-in, who's a pro bowler, uh, Taylor, is also out, who's going to be the left guard. So the line is also decimated. So you're going to have Aaron Donald rushing up the Miller. You're going to have Von Miller more in the system. 
I think the defense will do just fine against Green Bay. I think they'll hold up. I think Jalen Ramsey will do fine. But you know who's the quarterback of the LA Rams? Man who has won MVP and has fallen a little, or I shouldn't say won MVP, once an MVP candidate this year. And he's fallen a little bit in the past few weeks because of how poorly he played. Now he's going into what would I would say his house of horrors, house of nightmares, going up in Lambeau Field where he's all too familiar with this field and the many losses that have come on Lambeau. When he was a quarterback for the Detroit Lions, Matthew Stafford himself, he's all too familiar with Lambeau and Aaron Rodgers and Devontae in this team. How is he going to face? Because the defense is going to travel. Defense travels anywhere. I think they'll be just fine. It's Canvas offense put up points. This was a Packers defense that I was really high on. They just got knocked out by the Vikings. TKO'd. Can the Rams do the same thing that the Vikings did? They have the weapons. They got Cooper Cup. They got OBJ. The loss to Robert Woods looks like that severely hurt them. But I'm concerned about Rodgers, his toe injury, especially uh, for this game, his mobility. So I do think this is going to be a close, close game, evenly matched. To me, the X factor, Matthew Stafford, can he make plays uh, at all? Because recently, he hasn't been making any plays, uh, to say the least. If an Aaron Rodgers on the other end, the toe injury, how will that deal? How will this defense for Green Bay handle Sean McVay in this attack? They did fine last year against Jared Goff in the divisional round, a rematch of that game as well. I think this should be a fantastic matchup. Another one to me, that's sort of a coin toss that I'll probably pick closer uh, to the game considering how I feel. Do I pick against Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers at home. Uh, do I believe Sean McVay beats Matt LaFleur this week? Two good friends going up against each other. Always an intriguing matchup when it is that way. And this also has big implications for the playoffs. Both teams have three losses. This is a big game for the Rams, considering that Arizona has a one seed right now. But if the Rams were to beat the Packers, then beat the Cardinals later in the season, and they were all three losses, you would have the Rams actually own the tiebreaker over the Cardinals and the Packers. So they would essentially have a one seat, and they beat the Bucks already. This is a huge game for the Rams. This is one with major implications. This is one they have to win. And the schedule only gets tougher uh, from the Rams here on out. Facing the Cardinals, the Vikings, the Ravens. It gets tough for the Rams. It gets all right for the Packers to me. This could be the only next loss that I see them having at all. Uh, But I do think this is another premier game that is must-see TV. Then you got Minnesota and San Francisco. This is a tough matchup. You have two teams that are 5-5. Five and five. Minnesota is, I think, better than their 5-5 five and five record. I also think the 49ers are better than their 5-5 five and five record. Uh, 
even though they did get slaughtered a few weeks ago by the Cardinals, but who remembers that anymore? It's the Vikings 49ers this Sunday, and I think it's good too. It's in San Francisco. They got the monkey off their back. You know, so many people talk about not winning here, and they obliterate the Rams in a Monday night game. Now they're facing Con Artist Kirk. Now everybody wants to say how great Kirk Cousins is. You know, nobody talking about him because he's just Kirk Cousins. He's not been good in the past. He's having a good season, I'm not going to lie. Almost 3,000 yards, 21 touchdowns with two interceptions. Just in the big games, he came up big last week. I'll give him that. But can he come up big again this week? Justin Jefferson, I believe the passing attack will be tremendous. I don't have a ton of faith in the San Francisco secondary. I like their front seven. But I also like how San Francisco has played lately. Controlling the time of clock, a 13-minute drive against the Jags, an 11-minute drive against the uh, Rams. are basically eating up a whole quarter, just running plays themselves. They're doing it by controlling the ball, uh, getting to third and manageable. Jimmy Garoppolo, easy throws, running it with Elijah Mitchell back there, Trey Sermon, Debo Samuel getting back there, George Kittle being back, helps his team so much blocking, but also gives them that reliable a third down threat as well. So things are really clicking for the Niners. You see the importance of George Kittle where he was out. And they really struggled for a stretch here without him. Now that he is back, this offense is flourishing. Uh, Kyle Shanahan needs him in the lineup. And this is also a big game with wild card implications. You have the, uh, I believe, the Vikings right in there at 6. 49ers looking out at 8. This flips the tide. Moves the 49ers up there, bumps the Vikings down. This is another big game. I believe the 49ers can get the win because of the playmakers that they have. And to me, this is playmaker on playmaker. You've got, uh, to me, you've got one more on the 49ers. You've got a more versatile one, I should say. Debo Samuel is the X factor because you can line him up anywhere. Running back at wide receiver, the slot, uh, the Z over there at the flanker. So, that's the X factor there and how uh, the Minnesota Vikings play him and their poor secondary as well. I believe San Francisco can walk out of there with the win. Then finally, Sunday night, the Cleveland Browns in the Baltimore Ravens. A lot to make about Baker Mayfield, quarterback for the Browns, not caring about the Browns fans and they're booing him and not being able to take adversity like a man. This was a game I thought earlier in the season. This is a huge divisional game. Baker, they could be up, but they're 6-5. and five. They've looked poor. It's in Baltimore. I really don't want to pick Baltimore to win this game. But I am. I think Lamar Jackson will be back if he doesn't play. It would actually be a close game. I don't think this Sunday night game is as close or as close as the odd makers. Uh, put it at three and a half. I believe the Baltimore Ravens won comfortably if Lamar Jackson starts because the Cleveland offense is in shambles. There's been reports now of if Odell's gone, you know, we want to leave too, or, you know, Baker can leave. So that locker room there is tumultuous. There's no chemistry there at all. There's none. Uh, that is a broken team and it's sad because like I said they had such a good year last year they had such a talented roster maybe last year was their only year 
but it's sad to see the Browns this way after such a promising year last year where Kevin Stefanski won coach of the year, and now this team is back into shambles where it was two years ago. And at Baltimore, seems like they're always dealing with injury concerns, but John Harbaugh finds a way to coach and win these games. I believe they get the win a Sunday night in a game that I thought should have been flexed out because I don't think the Cleveland Browns will show up at all. I said Tampa Bay, Indianapolis Sunday night, or I'd be fine with either the Rams and Green Bay as well. Don't believe the Browns deserve to be on that stage. And so a lot of NFL happening this weekend. Two teams I didn't mention, they're not playing each other. They both have buys. That is the Kansas City Chiefs, who I think need a buy to work some more on some things offensively. Also, the Arizona Cardinals, the number one team uh, by league record, also have a buy. Now getting into some NHL. Braden Point, center for the Tampa Bay Lightning, who have been tremendous, is out four to six weeks due to an upper body injury. This is a huge loss because he is their top center. I know a lot of attention gets thrown on Steven Stamkos, but to me, Braden Point is a guy. He's been so good in their back-to-back Stanley Cup wins. You know, they're already missing uh, Nikita Kucherov, who's also out four to six weeks more. Uh, So this is a big loss for them now, in addition to Braden Point, who are just in there still playing great hockey. But that is a big loss for them for the next four to six weeks. We can see if they can overcome both those injuries. Last year, they were to overcome Kucherov, but Point had a fantastic year. So with that being said, I'm going to give you my top five teams in the NHL right now. Starting with number five, that is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Why? They are winners of eight of their past ten games, sitting there at 27 points. Austin Matthews is fantastic as well. Uh, He is their star player. Mitch Marner, John Tavares have all been good. And goalie, you know, they got rid of Frederick Anderson, brought in Jack Campbell. How would he do? He's done remarkably well. Uh, 944 save percentage, uh, just under two goals allowed per game on average. The goaltending has been really stellar for the Maple Leafs. Number four, the Washington Capitals. This is a team with a lot of firepower. Nicholas Backstrom, Kuznetsov, Ovechkin, seems like he's breaking records or on the cusp of records every single night. That's why they've scored uh, 64 goals, almost more than any other team uh, so far. They have a plus 20 goal differential. Uh, Why? Because the goalie in that, Ilya Samsonov, has been terrific. The goaltending play has just brought it all together for the Washington Capitals. That is why they are such a good team and are my fourth best team. Number three, the Calgary Flames. Why? Well, they're the best team in the Pacific. Talking all this time about Edmonton and Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. But it's Calgary who sits there at one with 29 points, winners of four in a row. 68 goals scored a plus 30 goal differential, which happens to be the best in the league. Uh, everybody is playing well, factoring in Mangiapani, uh, Kachuk, 
uh, Gaudreau. Every single player on this team is contributing, which is why they are uh, one of the best teams in the league. Number two, Carolina Hurricanes, winners of seven of their last ten, who's also playing well. Everyone on this team, again, contributing uh, two wins. Uh, Smeshnikov, Aho, every single player has been fantastic uh, for the Carolina Hurricanes. Shout out to Seth Jarvis as well. Uh, again, you know, five points in the nine games. Uh, three goals in consecutive games. He's played really good. And I think he's a rookie as well. So you want to burn his entry-level contract like the Wild did to Kapril Kaprizov last year? Who knows? But number one to me is still the Florida Panthers. They've won three in a a row. They've also scored a ton of goals sitting there at 71. They haven't lost at home yet. That's 10. They have 29 points, uh, 13 wins. They've also been good, have that perfect uh, collection of youth and uh, veterans, uh, Patrick Hornquist, Bob Roski, uh, Barkov, uh, Huberdo, but you also have Owen Tippett, Young Gun, and Frank Vitrano. This is a good team, a team to watch out for. So those are my top five teams in the NHL. The Toronto Maple Leafs, the Washington Capitals, the Calgary Flames, the Carolina Hurricanes, and number one, the Florida Panthers. Now moving on to the NBA. Last night, I was wrong on both my picks. Wrong on the Lakers. They were down by a lot earlier. I think they were down by like 20 points. They mounted a ferocious comeback to where they were in. Down by like three points or something like that. But they end up losing by six. They could not win without LeBron James in the lineup. Russell Westbrook, triple-double, 31 points, 13 rebounds, 10 assists. I thought he was fantastic. Anthony Davis, uh, 20 points. To me, the no-show of the game, THT, Horton Tucker, very fantastic young player, zero points. It's unlike him to go 0 for 8 from a field. He was not good. Early, it was Julius Randle cooking Fournier. Uh, Julius Randle cooled off in the second half, but the Knicks had too much of a lead for the Lakers to overcome. They didn't play with the type of intensity that I thought they would play for. And the Nuggets and Trailblazers, I said, can the Nuggets ever lose to the Trailblazers or vice versa? The Trailblazers ever beat the Nuggets? No, and it wasn't because of Dame. It was C.J. McCollum who had himself a night. 32 points, 5 of 9 from 3. 13 of 19 from the field was fantastic last night. Portland got a big win. Also yesterday, Luka Doncic returns to the Mavs after his injury. They beat the Clippers in overtime, a team that has given them so much trouble in the past, but they finally beat the Clippers, scoring, outscoring them 9-1 to in overtime. Clippers blowing a 10-point lead. So tonight, I'm going to pick two more games. First, the Nets and the Celtics. I know the Nets haven't been great against good teams, but I don't know where to put that Boston at just because they are so inconsistent. Yes, they beat the Lakers, uh, but then they'll come back and, you know, 
lose to the Hawks or something like that. Uh, but they've done better. They've won three in a row. I don't think that continues. I think the Nets win tonight. Uh, they beat the Boston Celtics. And then you got the 76ers and the Warriors. Crazy how the Warriors are a 10.5 point favorite. To me, you know, the, Warriors, or the 76ers were such a good team, but, you know, you've got Joel Embiid out, Danny Green out, uh, Tobias Harris might be out. With all that being said, Warriors are just too much. You're the best team in the NBA right now. The offense has just been tremendous. Uh, Steve Kerr, the way he's coached his team so far this year. With that being said, I believe Golden State can easily win by that, you know, high 10.5 point spread there. Now, moving on to what I've been wanting to talk about, college football. I'm going to react to the college football playoff rankings right now. I gave you my top six both yesterday and the day before. My first three, I was right. Georgia at one. I thought Ohio State would move up to two. They leapfrogged Alabama, dropped Alabama down to one. The key was Cincinnati and Michigan. I thought Michigan should be four. I aligned a ton of reasons. Uh, FPI, the resume, the strength of schedule, uh, the offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency, special teams efficiency, all that factored in and how Michigan is above of Cincinnati in like every metric. And so it surprised me actually when Cincinnati was at four. And Reese Davis... Ask Gary Barda, the playoff committee chair, uh, some questions. And he just gave very vague answers of why Cincinnati was at four. And it seems like they're alone at four because he asked them, you know, were they graded with the one through three cluster of Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama? Or was it five to seven, Michigan, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State? And he said, yeah, oh, they were compared to both and we put them at four. Uh, that's just a lame answer. Uh, an excuse, and to me, this is a ranking that shows no inconsistency. Because you had Michigan State, who beat Michigan, comparable, uh, you know, schedule, both one loss. Michigan's only loss coming to Michigan State, but Michigan was ahead of them. And the reason for putting Michigan ahead was because they looked at all the metrics, the stats, and they concluded that Michigan is still better than Michigan State, which I agreed with. However, I don't know if they threw all those stats out, didn't decide to look at any stats, because it's like one week, it's all about the stats, and then this week it's about the game, and oh, Cincinnati looked great against SMU. I don't have a lot of respect for SMU. They're 8-2. and two. They weren't even ranked. Not even ranked. Michigan looked good, too. They blew out Maryland, so that's nothing I was a fan of. If I think the playoffs ended today and these were the teams that I got, I would not be happy with those four teams Thought Notre Dame would be six, even though I would like to have seen Oklahoma State there. The two biggest droppers, or there's actually three. Uh, Oregon dropped eight spots from three all the way down to 11, rightfully so, after getting you know just decimated uh, by Utah. Then Michigan State dropped five, state, uh, five spots, same type of loss to Ohio State. Another big loss, Wake Forest suffered to Clemson, dropped them eight spots as well, but actually moved Clemson as the only team that was unranked before to move up in the rankings. 
surpassing Mississippi State, who was at seven and four, and even though they won, they dropped them from the rankings. So that was my biggest problem. It was the Cincinnati, Michigan, everything else. I'm sort of fine with. I'm fine with Wisconsin being ahead of Texas A&M because of the uh, streak that Wisconsin is on. Winning seven in a row, how dominant they've looked doing so as well. Maybe I'd like to see Utah, who beat Oregon, move up just a little bit more. I thought they have been playing really good as of late. Now, I'm going to make some college football picks. Thursday, tomorrow, the Egg Bowl, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Now, if you're a big college football fan, don't want to watch Sunday Night Football, which is uh, the Bills and the Saints. You have a treat in store for you. Ole Miss, number nine at nine and two, Mississippi State, seven and four. Lane Kiffin shouting a lot of love over to Mississippi State. A few weeks ago on game day, Lane Kiffin saying that Mike Leach is the best offensive coach in the country. This week saying that, you know, his sustained air raid attack and how efficient it's been really is amazing. Just gushing about Mike Leach. Now, what happens tomorrow night? This is a heated rivalry. You got a couple of dog urinating celebrations two years ago, Elijah Moore. Two years before that, DK Metcalf. So that is nothing new. What happens tomorrow night? It should be fun and exciting. I am picking Ole Miss to upset Mississippi State. Yes, they're a better team. They're ranked nine. Mississippi State not ranked in the college football playoff rankings. But Mississippi State is a one and a half point favorite. I like Lane Kiffin, Mississippi, or yeah, Ole Miss, Matt Corral to get to 10 wins, be 10 and 2. I think it will be competitive, uh, Mike Leach in this attack. But in the end, I do believe Ole Miss gets the win. Then looking ahead to Saturday, the game Ohio State, Michigan. I think some people are giving Michigan like a shot, but they're not going to come out and say they're going to win. Read a lot of uh, writers. Everyone I've read so far has picked Ohio State to win. Uh, ESPN as well. Everyone picking Ohio State to win this game. A lot of people from there actually giving Michigan no shot, saying Harbaugh just cannot beat Ohio State. This is something I am looking forward to. Uh, Why? Well, both teams are 10-1. and one. It's a top five matchup, two versus five. And the other big thing is, finally, this game is in Ann Arbor. The past two times, this game to me has really meant something. Uh, 2016, 2018, it's been in the shoe. 2018, it was just a terrible loss, blown out, not even close. 2016 was that heartbreaking one where I will go down in my grave to the way uh, the officials were paid off by Ohio State in that last call. This time we get them in Ann Arbor. It's about time. It's kind of like last year where Aaron Rodgers uh, said, you know, we just got to get one of these NFC Championship games at home. You know, they were three straight losses away. And then they proceed to lose at home to the Bucks. 
Hopefully that's not the case with Michigan. Hopefully they don't have like Aaron Rodgers syndrome and they finally get one at home since a top five match with Ohio State the first time since 2003. And hopefully this is not one they sort of give away. And I believe it's different this year. Of course I'm picking Michigan. Ain't no way I'm picking Ohio State. I'm giving Michigan a shot. And I'm going to say this. Either Ohio State is going to blow Michigan out of the water or Michigan's going to win a close game. I don't really see Michigan uh, pulling a reverse Ohio State, Michigan State type of thing. I just don't. But this is why I like this matchup. C.J. Stroud's playing amazing, but he's a freshman. This is his most hostile environment he's going to face all year long. Ohio State's offensive line is built to run the ball, which is fine with me because Michigan's defense is not built to stop a run. It's built to stop a pass, so I'm fine stopping the pass. I'd rather have Travion Henderson and low people in the box, even though I saw Kenneth Walker a few weeks ago destroy Michigan's defense. But this is key. Michigan has two stout edge rushers in Ojabo and Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson, for some reason, was snubbed for not being part of the defensive player of the year. They've got four candidates. I was fine with uh, the Jordan Davis defensive tackle uh, for Georgia, who I think's good. Uh, Will Anderson, who's been terrific for Alabama. Kevon Thibodeau, who will probably be the number one pick. But they snubbed Aiden Hutchinson. And they put Kyle Hamilton in there. A lot of people have Aiden Hutchinson as a top five pick, not Kyle Hamilton. So that surprised me. I think he's going to go in there with a chip on his shoulder. I think those two edge rushers will get after C.J. Stroud, make him uncomfortable. Yes, they have three tremendous wide receivers. Michigan has one of the best secondaries in the country. That's what I like. You have, to me, an elite Ohio State offense, who's, to me, the best in the nation. You have a really good Michigan defense. And then on the other hand, you just have a, a good Ohio State defense. This isn't a world beater or defenses they've had in the past against a good, efficient Michigan offense, who I believe can control time of possession. Another thing I liked was those two edge rushers I mentioned from Michigan. Ohio State doesn't have one. In the past, those are guys that have wrecked Michigan. The Joey Bosa, the Nick Bosa, the Chase Youngs. It's been, oh my goodness, I have to deal with them. This time, they have to deal with these edge rushers for Michigan. The home crowd advantage. I'm giving Michigan a shot. I think they're going to win the game. As Jim Harbaugh said before the season started about Ohio State, about beating them, we're either going to do it or we're going to die trying. Well, this is it, Jim. This is for all the marbles. You're going to do it or die trying. This is a game I'm either going to rejoice and be happy all weekend long or I will be depressed until September again where my hopes are been at again an all-time high before we're crushed by another sort of Ohio State cycle, sort of on this sort of time loop thing. I believe Jim Harbaugh gets the signature win here this weekend. All odds are stacked on Michigan, but it's at home. All that with the defense as well. Favorable, Cade McNamara, efficient offense. They get it done. Texas Tech and Baylor. I'm picking Baylor. I don't think Baylor, who's gotten so close and such a great turnaround year, where they know if they win, they have a shot at winning the Big 12 if Oklahoma State can take care of business. I don't think Baylor's going to just lose it against Texas Tech and not even give themselves a shot. 
I think Baylor will win that game. Alabama and Auburn, the Iron Bowl. Don't expect it to be as much as a matchup considering how far Auburn has fallen recently, the injury to Bo Nix, and just how good Bryce Young is playing. This team for Alabama is playing, you know, Auburn's been tough place to win for these Nick Saban teams to play in. They've lost their last two, three out of their last four. I believe they get the win in Auburn just because of, you know, the injuries and just how bad Auburn has fallen uh, in recent weeks. Oregon State and Oregon, the Civil War. Oregon suffering a huge setback to uh, Utah last week. Now it's how motivated are they? Do they come and saying, hey, we still, even though we're eliminated, we still want to play in the Rose Bowl. You know, we got to win this game. Or does it kind of decimate them and they lose and they couldn't even, maybe, if they lose, they might not even play in the uh, Pac-12 championship game because uh, an Oregon State has a tie break over them. So that's all interesting, but I think Oregon rebounds and gets a win this weekend. Penn State and Michigan State, to me, the battle of two overrated coaches, James Franklin and Mel Tucker. Last week, right before the Ohio State game, Mel Tucker got his contract and sued in a loss. I was going to pick Penn State to win this game, too. But then yesterday, Penn State gives James Franklin a 10-year deal. And I thought, wow, this is just a battle of two high overpaid coaches that have done nothing, no trips to the playoffs in their careers. So because of that, I thought, you know, Michigan State will just win this game. It'll be close. Uh, It'll be hard fought. Sean Clifford's banged up. But I think Michigan State will win this game in the battle of the overpaid coaches. Wisconsin-Minnesota. If Wisconsin wins, beats Minnesota, they are in the Big Ten championship game yet again, where it seemed like earlier in the season it was Iowa or Maybe Purdue or Minnesota, Wisconsin down in the dumps at 1-3, and three, but seven straight wins. They could get win number eight and be back to where it seems like they have been a lot recently. And that is the Big Ten championship game. Texas A&M and LSU. Coach O's last game at LSU. Will he go down fighting, uh, possibly for a final bull berth? Texas A&M, how will they fare against LSU? This week, after coming off, you know, a upsetting loss to Ole Miss a few weeks ago, can they win? I think this game will be close. Of course, the thing that gets talked about is the seven overtime game a few years ago. I believe Texas A&M wins this game. Coach O goes out scampering. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Bedlam. This has, to me. I know we want to talk about Michigan and Ohio State not being a rivalry of recent years because Ohio State's dominated. But all-time, Michigan still owns the head-to-head record. This ain't the case with Oklahoma. Oklahoma's dominated this rivalry just throughout its lifespan. So can Oklahoma State exercise its demons against Oklahoma? They get them at Oklahoma State. I believe they do. This is not the toughest Lincoln-Riley team or best Lincoln-Riley team I've seen. Mike Gundy's done a fantastic job. His defense is in order. Caleb Williams looked shaky last week. Spencer Rattlers looked shaky all season. Because of that, I'm rolling with Oklahoma State to get their first win in six years against Oklahoma. 
And finally, Notre Dame-Stanford. This is a game, can I pick Stanford? They're 3-8. and eight. They have nothing to play for. They've looked so terribly. But they've beat Oregon, where Notre Dame is riding high, reeling off huge win after huge win, and at 10-1, can Stanford just derail their season? I'm going to give them a shot. I'm picking Notre Dame to win. They're a 19.5-point favorite. I believe Stanford covers. It's closer than that. I've seen a lot of Notre Dame teams lose at the end of the season to Stanford and derail hopes. I'm going to give Stanford a shot. Is it high? Is it likely? No. But I'm giving Stanford a shot, even though I'm picking Notre Dame. So a lot of great college football also on this weekend. College basketball, oh boy, was I wrong about UCLA last night. Gonzaga put the hurt on them by 20. Chet Holmgren was great. Andrew Nimbard was good. Uh, Timmy, Gonzaga looks like the real deal. I'm going to say they're worthy of that number one ranking for a while. They got a tough game coming up against Duke, but just focusing on the win last night, that was a fantastic game by the uh, Zags, by Mark Few. That was a fantastic a win cements him as the best team right now. And then last but not least, there is a golf match on Friday, the annual match, or in this case, it's the biannual match. You've got Bryson DeChambeau going up against Brooks Kepka in two heated rivals. Kepka saying that the hug at the Ryder Cup was scripted and forced He's not friends with Bryson DeChambeau. Oh, will the feud ever be squashed? Will it be squashed this weekend? I don't think so. Brooks Kepka says he'll be done with him after seven holes. Of course, that refers to them playing 12 holes. So if he wins the first seven, that would constitute them being overdue to the match play. Maybe DeChambeau will win another one. And when his partner Aaron Rodgers beat Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady earlier in the year, Surprisingly, you know, Phil Mickelson, Tom Brady, you can say the one time Tom Brady choked recently was in that game. But I believe Brooks Kepka will win. This should be entertaining. That is what I'm watching on Friday is Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau should be entertaining to see them out on the course uh, chirping at each other, uh, talking trash. This will be a fun, exciting golf match between two heated rivals going out after each other. So this is it. This is Get Your Goat. This has been great. Everybody, enjoy the holiday weekend. Enjoy the abundance of food, but also college football, NFL, NBA, ton of sports on this weekend. Talk to you all next week. Bye, everybody.